This is my friend's place in the BGOT LP Gainesville.
solidarity forever, man.
Music from Heather Woods Broderick, Crashing Against the Sun. And thank you so much for tuning in to my friend's place this afternoon, or morning, I suppose, here on WGOT LP Gainesville, 100.1 FM. Let's do a quick rundown of what's heard in the warm-up mix this week here on my friend's place, leading things off a little bit of progressive house from Bonobo, teaming up with Jacques Green. That song title is Fold. After that, you had Gruff Reese with Layer Upon Layer. Then it was Patrick Wolf, Nowhere Game. After that, uh, all-time great legend and uh, Depeche Mode lead singer Dave Gahan with a cover of the Ravenettes song Chains. And then after that, you had AJJ with Dissonance. And there you go. You're all caught up to everything you've heard thus far on My Friend's Place. Now, normally I do business at the end of the show, but I was thinking, hey, maybe you're in the car and you never hear the end of the show. So I want to remind the people uh, our listeners, our supporters, that WGOT is available uh, through Patreon. Now, Patreon is a subscription service where you can uh, start for as little as $1 a month. Um, basically, it's as pay as much as you can per month. Uh, so we have people all in between $1 up to $10, I believe. And that money really helps us keep afloat here at WGOT as we run on a shoestring budget, trying to keep this radio station up and running 24 hours a day, seven days a week with licensing, uh, equipment, uh, electricity, rent, all these uh, things that have to be paid for uh, for a radio station. So uh, please consider going to Patreon and subscribing for uh, as little as $1 to WGOT. Once you do that, you unlock the content that some of the DJs here at WGUT have put up on Patreon, including uh, the latest effort from uh, Fred Souter, who's taking a break right now from the station um, after his strip show ended its run a couple weeks ago. He's got an all-request show available on Patreon that you can either uh, download or you can stream anytime if 
you are a patron on Patreon. So there you go. Uh, it's patreon.com backslash W-G-O-T. So this week, I'm going to kind of follow up what I did at the beginning of the month with my top 12 movie countdown. Except this time I'm going to focus on the television and I've got a top 11 things uh, that I watched this year on television that you can stream at your own convenience that I really, really liked. And so we'll do it a countdown style, even though depending on the day of the week and how I feel this um list between 1 and 11 is pretty fluid. Although I will say the top end of the list there's kind of a separation point between like my top five and then uh, 11 through six. But anyway, they're all pretty great. And like I said, they're all available um, depending on what streaming services you have available. So let's start at number 11. And I truly did not intend for this to happen. I'll explain why it did. My number 11 show of the year is Station 11. So I did not originally intend for Station 11 to be number 11. What happened is I was originally going to do a top 10 show, and then I kind of got my list together, and I started working on it, and then I realized about halfway through that I left off a show in my top 10 uh, that I need, I have to put in my top 10, and thus my top 10 became a top 11. So anyway, at number 11, we have from HBO Station 11, and uh, the setup for this is something terrible happens, and the world is destroyed leading to uh, all of humanity fighting for survival. Uh, sound familiar? Yeah, well, of course it does, because we've seen this story before uh, many, many times on television and in movies, too. But Station Eleven manages um, to do the, this old story in a new creative way, uh, with a really kind of well-received message about the importance of arts uh, to humankind. Now, the basic setup follows this group of actors and artists who travel around the post-apocalyptic America uh, performing Shakespeare uh, to the surviving people and scattered out through these little towns and villages. And, of course, uh, something goes terribly wrong while they're out touring. Uh, Station Eleven spans, like, multiple timelines. I think at least three that I can think of off the uh, top of my head. Um... Most of it's in the latest timeline, but it does jump around, and it mostly follows uh, the lead character Kirsten's story as she begins as a child actor uh, performing on stage in a play when the major tragedy happens and starts going down and uh, civilization collapses. Station Eleven has some really cool world building and, like I said, mostly a positive message about uh, what is important in life and uh, it's that pretty much is one of the things that really makes this 10-part uh, series worth checking out on HBO. It's only one season long, and of course, you know, if you uh, would prefer, you can actually read the novel upon which it is based, which is something I plan on doing here uh, pretty soon in this coming year. So there you go. That's number 11, Station 11, uh, season 1. Only one season. I don't think there will only be one season of this show, but uh, that is on HBO, I think, 10 episodes. Speaking of 10, at number 10, we've got The Old Man. Now, The Old Man stars legendary actors, and that's legendary with a capital L, Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow, and what is more or less a kind of a classic CIA, like spy, cat and mouse type game. 
Uh, one of the interesting things about the old man, in my opinion, is that the, the series actually moves at a pretty slow pace, which um, it might sound like it is a complaint, but I actually like the way that this uh, story moved more than most uh, modern spy movies and shows, which are more about like the chase scenes, explosions, and you know CGI effects. Um, when there are action scenes in The Old Man, they are really spectacular and not nearly as much CGI as you see in a lot of the modern stuff. Um, so I was really impressed when we do have action scenes. Just like uh, Station Eleven, um, The Old Man kind of jumps around uh, different timelines. And even better than that, it jumps around some pretty great locations where they did the filming. And besides the really great performances from uh, John Lithgow and Jeff Bridges, it also stars Aaliyah Shawkat, who is one of my favorite all-time actresses going way, way back to when she was basically a kid uh, on Arrested Development. Now, I watched this one weekly when it was airing on H or not HBO, when it was airing on FX. Uh, so I think you can find it right now on Hulu. It's one season long, and not surprisingly, it ends on a cliffhanger, and I believe there is a season two um, planned for this. So, if you're looking for kind of a cool classic spy thriller uh, with some great acting, then I'd say The Old Man is definitely something to find, I think, like I said, at Hulu. Moving on, number nine. At number nine, we have Barry. Now, this uh, show is the Bill Hader plays a psychopathic assassin uh, turned actor, and it's on HBO. And it's three seasons long, and wow, in season three, does Barry, this season, go, like, pitch black, completely dark. Um, kind of looking at the first couple seasons in the arc, I'd say season one was more or less a pretty straightforward uh, comedy about this assassin trying to make it in Hollywood. Then season two, which also happened to be my favorite show of 2019, uh, did more of a balance between the comedy and the serious side of the drama. So it was kind of like 50-50. And that's partly why I didn't really quite like Season 3 nearly as much as I did Season 2, uh, because Season 3 turns on a really heavy uh, turn with lots of dark energy. Uh, and not many laughs. Um, I was watching it live each week on Sunday night, and truthfully, probably not the best show uh, to watch right before you go to bed on Sunday nights because, like I said, it was really heavy and, you know, really dark at times. Um, even though that sounds like I didn't like the show, I did, just not nearly as much as uh, 2012. But, um, you know, the season is really wild the things that happen um, as Barry starts to get like his comeuppance for his past discussions uh, without giving away too much information and doing a spoiler alert um, his past definitely starts to catch up with them with the like I said some of the really awful things that he's done it's got a great cast um, including uh, Fonz Henry Winkler um, he's one of the major co-stars and by the way is also like really delightful if you want to follow him on, on Twitter he's a he's a fun person to follow um, also what else I oh one thing I do want to say about season three even though I don't didn't like it as much as season two I would say that of the three seasons season three has one of my favorite episodes of the three and 
without a doubt, my favorite episode of all TV shows uh, this year. That would be uh, episode six here in season three, which has the infamous uh, motorcycle chase um, through L.A. And like I said, that was my favorite episode of any television show in uh, 2022. So um, unlike the first two shows, you have three seasons to catch up. Uh, but it's definitely worth catching up because Bill Hader is tremendous and the writing on the show is just absolutely top-notch. So this time, when we get into a little bit of music, we're going to do a couple off of the soundtracks from the, some of the shows I reviewed. And first up, we are going to hear one off of the Barry soundtrack. Um, I think this band's name is Swalt. Um, if not, I apologize. But anyway, and from the Old Man soundtrack, this is T-Bone Burnett along with um, Patrick Warren. Yes, yeah, T-Bone Burnett, Patrick Warren, uh, the title song from the Old Man uh, called Dead Ground, and it features Joe Henry. Shoot. 
arms reach out to me Cause they know I'm so lonely Then my mind goes back to you Thank you. 
That is new music from Unloved called I Did It, and you're listening to My Friend's Place on WGOT LP Gainesville 100.1 FM. This week, doing my top 11 uh, TV shows of the year countdown, and first up in that music blocks, you had one from the Barry soundtrack, Swalt, uh, Foot on Next. Then from the Old Man soundtrack, you have the theme song um, from T-Bone Burnett and Patrick Warning. Uh, it's called Dead Ground, and it features uh, Joe Henry on vocals. Uh, then it was one from Station Eleven soundtrack, actually a pair of songs from the Station Eleven soundtrack, which kind of had like a um, much older uh, 60s, 70s radio vibe to the music. But uh, first up, you had Pearl Dow, It's All Over, and then also from the Station Eleven soundtrack, uh, Lee Hazelwood with Your Sweet Love. Uh, then we got back into uh, some new indie music, new one from Kevin Morby, Like a Flower, the new music from Boo Radley, Seeker, then even more new music from Holiday Ghost, Vulture, and there you go. You are completely called up to everything you've heard this week on My Friend's Place. And before we reveal uh, the next uh, three shows in my Top 11 countdown, just a real quick reminder that you can listen to WGOT anytime you want as long as you have an internet signal you can do that through wgot.org uh, there's information on how to stream the channel personally i go to uh, tune in use that app and i can listen to all the great programs the station offers uh, pretty much anywhere i want um, also you can listen to my friend's place and my other show cramla mix show anytime you want to as long as you have an internet uh internet connection and you can do that by searching for Cramela Mixha, Cramela C-R-A-M-E-L-A. I do pretty much all my podcasts through uh, Apple Podcasts so if you like and you want to hear this show again or some of the past ones go to Apple Podcasts search for Cramela Mixha and you can subscribe and it automatically downloads um, to your phone and you can listen at your convenience anytime you want and best of all you don't have to use any data if you're on a data plan because you can straight download the show so anyway uh, just a couple of things you can do to listen to WGOT and my friend's place uh, when you're out of this uh, range of the signal, which is quite often here in Gainesville, as uh, we don't make it too far um, past campus. Anyway, let's do uh, the next shows on my countdown. So earlier, le- number 11 was Station 11. Number 10, you had The Old Man. Number 9, you had Barry. And now we're on to number 8, which is... The final season, season six of Better Call Saul. Now, really, I was never at all interested in watching uh, the show in the beginning because, you know, I personally I thought Breaking Bad ended in a pretty great way, and um, I just really couldn't care less at the time about Saul Goodman's origin story. So in the beginning of Better Call Saul, I'd watch an episode here, I'd watch an episode there. And it's not really a show that you can kind of uh, skip around because it's got, you know, like a story that builds week after week and reoccurring characters. And like I said, you can't really watch this show that way. So um, I was always kind of coming in and out of the show for the first couple of years. And then there was another problem that really bothered me, at least in the beginning. You have these characters that have aged, you know, like 10 years since they started Breaking Bad. And here they are, they're making a time jump like 10 years before that. So you have these characters supposedly playing themselves like 15 or 20 years um, before they were on Breaking Bad. And it just, 
my mind had a hard time uh, wrapping it, itself around the fact that, you know, like Mike and Gus and some of the other people look so much older uh, than they did on Breaking Bad. And this is, like I said, a prequel to Breaking Bad. But eventually I got over that. And, um, you know, part of it had to do with just the undeniable, amazing talent of Vince Gilligan, who is the writer and creator of Breaking Bad, as well as um, Better Call Saul. And uh, also, you have uh, the brilliant actor Bob Odenkirk as the star of Breaking Bad. Um, I mean, excuse me, of Better Call Saul, Saul Goodman, who doesn't start off as Saul Goodman. We see that transformation uh, from the character at the beginning of the show to eventually to uh, the awful person that uh, Saul Goodman uh, became. And like I said, I eventually came around um, on the show about season three, and as I watched it, I started watching it religiously. It just got better and better and better. Uh, the closer that it got to um, turning into the Breaking Bad show, which happens uh, pretty much last episode of uh, Better Call Saul, and um, I was totally hooked on the show. Now, one of the best things about the show, besides Vince Gilligan and Bob Odenkirk and the other actors, is just how much... Each and every episode looked amazing, and Better Call Saul, when you're just like looking at it from a cinematography standpoint, it's very creative, and it looks much more like a movie than an actual TV show. And uh, this one's available uh, that you can stream right now, all six seasons on Netflix, so if you're going to get into it, it's a little bit of a commitment. Um, you could also kind of jump in. I would say if you really wanted to, you could jump in on season three when it really kind of turns into uh, more Breaking Bad and watch it from there. Um, either way, really, really cool show. Sad to see that one uh, leave. Then, number seven, uh, the rehearsal. Now, I've actually talked a lot about the rehearsal on um, my friend's place uh, throughout the year last year. And the show personally came out of nowhere for me. I didn't have any idea what it was about. I just kind of randomly put it on. And the first episode I actually watched at the gym because I was looking for something. I knew nothing about it. Um, I knew that it's a Nathan Fielder show, which means it was going to be weird. And uh, I've tried very unsuccessfully to explain what the rehearsal is about on my show at least a couple times before. And it really is impossible to explain the show. I can give you the basic premise, and that is that uh, Nathan is playing kind of a kind of a self-help guru, self-help expert who will help you confront someone or something in your life that's a problem. And he does that by bringing you in, and they rehearse the situation and act out the confrontation over and over. And they look at all the different variations. Um, this show is like really crazy, and it blends the line uh, between reality and comedy, quite unlike any other show I've seen. And it does a really amazing job of deconstructing television in so many different ways, uh, making fun of reality TV and just uh, actors and, and things like that in general. Um, this is one case where I've, I've got to say, Nathan Fielder, the star and the writer and the creator, he has totally managed to create, at least for what for me, is a totally like whole new genre of comedy. And it's got part Andy Kaufman, if you're familiar with the 
with Andy uh, back from the 70s and 80s and mixed in with a little bit of uh, Conan O'Brien and like David Letterman's uh, absurdist like sketch comedy humor and they blend it all into this really really interesting show um, that's available on HBO and it's only one season and it's really worth checking out just uh, be forewarned if you're gonna watch it it's something you're gonna kinda have to sit down and pay a little bit of attention to because it uh, it's really weird uh, but also uh, really really great anyway let's get into some more new music uh, part of the thing I'm doing on this top 11 countdown is uh, finding some of my favorite songs off of the soundtracks and blending them in along with some uh, new music and you're gonna hear one from the Better Call Saul, Better Call Saul soundtrack say that two times fast uh, but anyway from Better Call Saul one of the all-time great 80s bands it's Duran Duran with Reflex <laughs> Why don't you use 
was at a playoff game, giving playoff tickets, a chance for redemption, so the whole town can kick it. Pop off to the left, I'm wearing blue sweats, been a fan of Florida teams since Hawk Dawson left. Everything slowed down, the field went silent, I lose running over, a man runs violent, it's right above me, I knock the ball down, I lose starts whining, and crying like a clown. Hey, settle down, I'm just a guy in the stands. Everyone starts bitching and cursing at this little man. To my left, headphones, padded orange ears. Fellow was crushed, facing his hands and pants. Security comes over, parts the guy away. They're throwing mirrors and buds, but let the bees stay. They're cursing and blaming. I'm telling them to pipe down, calm it down, calm it down, calm it down. Blame Randall Simon, blame Eric Carroll, blame number eight, blame 21, blame Wayne Messi, blame D. Lee, blame Barnsley. But don't blame Steve. The team collapsed. Eight runs in the eighth. Errors, managerial, and pitcher mistakes. They blamed it all on the fella. To my left. I was a fan of Florida. Since Hawk Dawson left. I'm happy for Steve, and I told him I'm proud of him. I tell you what, he's on. Ah, shut up. Blame Asamaka. Blame Jeff Pico. Blame Damon Berryhill. Blame Lloyd McClendon. Blame Bob Brindley. Kathy Maldonado. Blame Roger Craig. But don't blame Steve. Blame Kevin Tappan, blame Nicky Morandini, blame Bill Regan, blame Scott Service, blame Alan Embry, blame Galarraga, blame Ryan Klesko, but don't blame Steve. Don't blame Steve. But don't blame Steve. Ball coming at you, you catch it, or knock it down. Ball coming at you, you knock it down, knock it down. Ball coming at you, you knock it down, knock it down. Ball coming at you, you knock it down, knock it down. Why'd they give him number eight? Hawk Dawson was in. Hawk Dawson could throw. Hawk Dawson could hit. Hawk Dawson patrolled right. The Hawk had none. Border retired in Florida. H-A-W-K. Don't blame Steve. Blame Steve Stone. Blame Brad Zalani. Blame Dan Rohn. Blame Salazar. Blame Gary Scott. Don't blame Steve. Don't blame Steve. Just don't blame Steve. Blame the KDs. Blame the KDs.
to my friend's place on WGOTLP Gainesville. Before that, you had music uh, from a top 11 TV countdown uh, shows of the year. First up, you had Duran Duran, The Reflex from the Better Call Saul soundtrack. Then you had two uh, songs from the show I'm about to review next on my list. You had the Budos Band with Old Engine Oil, and then it was Serengeti, Don't Blame Steve, and they are both off of my number six show of the year, The Bear. Now, The Bear was a huge runaway hit for FX and Hulu. Um, that is comedy, mostly, uh, but part drama about working in a kitchen in a restaurant. And the ensemble cast of The Bear is just top-notch. And this is one of the best shows at blending comedy and drama together. Um, it's pretty much a love letter to Chicago and people there. And I think one of the more accurate shows probably to demonstrate uh, just exactly what it's like to work behind the scenes in a restaurant kitchen as I actually have a little bit of experience doing that. Um, the basic premise is 
this five-star uh, Michelin chef moves home after his brother's death to take over the family Chicago beef restaurant. And then uh, all kinds of crazy stuff happens after that. So there you go. That is number six, The Bear. Number five on my uh, top 11 list of the year, you have Our Flag Means Death. Now this is a comedy all-star team including Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, among others, doing a pretty funny period piece, absolutely deconstructing the whole murderous pirate's mythos. Uh, the basic idea is this fancy lad um, decides to give up his uh, fancy life and wants to become a pirate and go out at sea and live that lifestyle. Uh, the writing on this one is top of the line, um, as you would expect with the comedy power behind it. Uh, as are the actors, and then you also, one of the best things about the show, all these great guest actors and all these little cameos popping up um, from here to there. Um, really, really funny show. Uh, the only pure comedy on my top 11 list of the year, and it's only one season you have to catch up with, and it's on HBO, uh, as a lot of my shows are, including number four. And my number four show of the year is House of Dragons. Now, personally, I had no desire whatsoever to watch this show after the disastrous final two seasons of Game, Game of Thrones. Um, but, you know, I felt compelled to check out, you know, the first episode uh, for whatever reason. And then I was pretty surprised just how immediately I got hooked on the show. House of Dragons has pretty much all the things that made... Uh, Game of Thrones, great. At least the first, what, five seasons anyway, or four seasons. Uh, they're superb actors. Uh, gratuitous violence, of course. You have uh, all kinds of murderous, uh, backstabbing plots. You have dragons. And um, great, great George R. R. Martin writing. And House of Dragons definitely has one thing going for it that Game of Thrones did not which led to Game of Thrones' uh, downfall the last two seasons. And that is the fact that the books for the series are completely done. There aren't any more new ones coming out. George R.R. R. Martin wrote them. Uh, basically, they are the prequel to Game of Thrones that came out near the end of uh, the run. Although the run of Game of Thrones isn't even done yet. There's a book that George R.R. R. Martin has been writing forever to try to close that series out. So, um... The good thing about House of Dragons, in theory, we'll never have HBO writers trying to write the last couple of seasons um, after the source material runs out, like that horrible last season of Game of Thrones. Um, other things that it has going for it, uh, amazing action scenes. And I gotta say, just like um, the cinematography on Better Call Saul, House of Dragons looks much more like a movie than just a TV show. And that leads us to number three in my top 11, and that is going to be the series Andor. Now, a couple of years ago, I had kind of given up on Star Wars, and then Mandalorian came along, and at least in, in my opinion, it rewrote what we could expect um, from Star Wars, because the movies, the newer movies, to me, at least have been mostly failures. And it was interesting that it kind of took TV to bring it back to its uh, roots and quality. So that was a pretty great series. You have two seasons of Mandalorian, and then along came Boba Fett, and then Obi-Wan. And uh, they both really managed to lower my expectations to a more realistic level, in particular Boba Fett, which is not very good at all. So then Endor comes along. 
And what happens? It blows everything before it out of the water. And uh, it's really interesting. Andor is just a spy story that takes place between the very first Star Wars and a prequel uh, to the Star Wars called Rogue One. Uh, the summary is just basically how do they get the Death Star plans. And I gotta say, Andor is totally awesome. I really, you know, 10 years ago never thought we would ever get a thoughtful, kind of slow-moving espionage story uh, for adults in the Star Wars universe. At least not on in the movies or uh, television, maybe like in the books and comic books. But we did, and I really fully want to celebrate Andor, even though it wasn't like a smash hit that some of the other Star Wars series on uh, Disney Plus were. And talked about how great like uh, House of Dragons and... Better Call Saul look, but Andor is the best looking show on TV this year by far. And at times, um, it reminded me kind of a Stanley Kubrick's 2001, so that's pretty high praise. In Andor, you've got a spy story, you've got a heist movie, you got a prison break movie, all kind of wrapped up in one season under the Star Wars banner. And um, I think of all the shows on my list, this is the one... That might have been the most surprising show of the year to me. Maybe this in House and Dragons. But anyway, um, that leaves us with a two-in-one, which I'll do after the next uh, music block. And first up, from the Andor soundtrack, you're going to hear Nicholas Bertel with Moriana Drop.
All right, if you watched my number two show here on my countdown of the year, then uh, you immediately recognize the last three songs you've heard. Uh, we'll talk about what they were in just a minute and tell you about the number two show in my top 11 2023 countdown. But before we do that, let's take a real quick look at what you heard in that music block from Andor, my third favorite television show of the year. You had uh, something from the original soundtrack from Nicholas Bertel, uh, Moriana Drop There. Then, uh, two new songs that came out this week a new music from clark called town crank and then it was buzzy lee with cinder block and i realized nepo babies have been very much the talk in the last month or two in the entertainment industry and she just happens to be one buzzy lee turns out is steven spielberg's daughter so uh, regardless of whether she is a nepo baby or not that's pretty cool uh, 80s synthy disco type track there uh, then after that really shifted gears pretty fast and went back to uh, i believe the 70s with mac davis maybe don't get hooked on me one of four songs from my number two um pick of the year uh then after that you had theodoro shapiro labor of love then it was uh, theodoro shapiro again with the main theme and then uh finally theodoro shapiro with the song called interdepartmental which uh between labor of love and in her departmental may kind of give you an idea if you're not sure about um, the show that I'm talking about. And my number two, arguably my number one show of the year, because you could flip-flop a lot of these in the top five or six, is a show from Apple Plus. I think the only Apple Plus uh, show I have here on my soundtrack, or excuse me, my countdown, and it is Severance. And along with the bear, this TV show was the other surprise smash hit of the year. And along with my number seven show, The Rehearsal, uh, Severance is nearly impossible to explain to someone who's never seen it. But I'll try. Anyway, um, let's see. In short, I would say uh, corporations uh, that we all know and love, uh, they have developed this uh, technological chip that they can plant in your brain and what it allows to happen is it fully separates your memories from home the good stuff hopefully uh, from your work memories which I don't know, I guess that depends on your job whether those are good or bad so corporations have come up with this technology and they're basically using it to make um, people more productive at work but also um, is able to hide some things, some nefarious things that are going on uh, here in season one on Severance. And like I said, trying to describe this show is nearly impossible. But um, you know, if you really like uh, break it down, I would say Severance is kind of like a LSD trip version of The Office, kind of looking at office work, office politics, and really kind of skewering it and making fun of it um definitely a little bit darker on severance in the office and uh less of a comedy angle and more of a drama angle but uh it is i'd say part horror movie part drama part social commentary and part comedy mixing them all together and coming from you know for some would be an unlikely source considering he's more known for like uh, Zoolander and you know just kind of silly comedy uh, it's directed and 
written partly by Ben Stiller, adapted from a novel, I believe. And I have to say, Severance has one of the absolute most like unique art designs of any of the shows on my list. Uh, probably second only best, or second best to, you know, Andor. And it's got these really intricate and cool sets that they built um, that normally you would never see on television. It would be something more that you would see in a movie. And, you know, I'm really surprised just how popular Severance became um, over the year because it is really weird. And I gotta say, I'm really, really happy that, um, like, just regular people kind of latched onto the show. I'm sure, like, the office uh, politics kind of brought a lot of people in that can kind of relate to um, what these people are going through. And, uh, like, a lot of my shows on the list this year, um, there's only one season. So there is not that much content. You don't have to watch five whole seasons to get called up. And season two will be on its way maybe next year or the year after on um, Apple+. Plus. I know they're working on it right now. So I'll interview with, with Ben Stiller uh, talking about season two. Um, it's got a lot of spoilers. So I'm not going to give you any of them. But uh, yeah, like I said, kind of a weird horror LSD trip version of uh, The Office or the movie Office Space if you want to go back uh, even a little further back. So there you go. That is my number two of the year. Before we reveal number one, do a real quick rundown of the top 11. Uh, maybe you know, you'll know find a new show you're looking for, something new to watch. Uh, maybe one of my suggestions will uh, kind of give you something new. Or maybe you're already kind of thinking about one of these shows and this puts you over the edge. But here you go, my top 11. At number 11 from HBO Station 11, another post-apocalyptic survival story, this time focusing more on like arts and humanity. Uh, at number 10, you have The Old Man. A spy thriller starring Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow, streaming on Hulu. Uh, then it was Barry, which is Bill Hader's uh, psychopathic assassin turned actor story on HBO. Um, this is season three of that one. Uh, you can find it on HBO. Uh, then at number eight, you have Better Call Saul, the prequel to Breaking Bad, which finally ended its six-year run. You can stream that on Netflix. At number seven, uh, one of a few HBO shows, you have the rehearsal. Totally impossible to explain what it is. So just um, if you're looking for something weird and something comedic, uh, just start watching it and enjoy it. Number six, uh, big hit for FX at Hulu, The Bear. The story of um, a chef moving back to Chicago to run his uh, family's uh, Italian beef stand in uh, downtown Chicago. At number five, you have Our Flag Means Death, a comedic look at pirates. A very R-rated comedic look, by the way, on HBO. Then it was the Game of Thrones prequel, House of Dragons, also on HBO, coming in at number four. Number three, another prequel, uh, this time Star Wars and or basically a spy story telling just how they got those Death Star plans in the original Star Wars and then two with Severance. And coming in at number one, we have White Lotus, season two. Now, very similar to uh, a couple of things on my list, like uh, Game of Thrones and uh, Better Call Saul, I was really skeptical about uh, this show because I did not think Season 2 would work nearly as well as Season 1. But uh, Season 2 of White Lotus had two really great things going for it. First, they have the amazing Italian setting uh, in the sh uh, shore side in Sicily. 
And the other thing they had really going for it is Albi Plaza, who just also happened to be my favorite movie of the year, Emily the Criminal. Another thing that season two had going for it is I think, you know, arguably it had a stronger and more cohesive story than season one. That was uh, maybe a little bit more well thought out and planned. And they also had something season one didn't have to do, and that was deal with these raised expectations after, uh, like I said, season one was a huge hit for HBO. And I got to say, one of the reasons it wound up number one on my list, it, it is probably one of the few shows in the last couple of years that I found myself kind of sitting around Sunday night uh, waiting for it to premiere in real time on HBO at 9 p.m. And like so many other uh, shows in my top 11, it's not really a comedy, it's not really a drama, it, it walks that line, it tries to blend both. Um, so that's season two, and there's two seasons of White Lotus on HBO, and, and you could watch season two without watching season one, but you probably want to go back to season one because there is a reoccurring character that has a major storyline in season two that um, if you watch it, you know who I'm talking about. If you haven't watched it, you probably heard it anyway in pop culture references. So there you go. That completely wraps up uh, my top 11 favorite streaming shows of the year. And uh, check some of them out. I'm sure most of you are, some of you have seen uh, most of those shows or at least... Uh, watch an episode here or there of them and uh all pretty pretty great it was a really good year for streaming as far as i'm concerned on television uh, really especially like in the comedy drama type section but anyway we are at that time where we need to do our closing track and it only makes sense to use the one that became an unexpected club hit um, in the underground world from white lotus season two you're going to hear an extended remix of the theme song from Cristobal Tapia de Vere, who had a big year too. He also did the uh, original soundtrack for Smile, which was in my top 12 movies of the year. So here you go. Our closer this week is Cristobal Tapia de Vere with the White Lotus Season 2 extended theme. Thank you so much for tuning in to my friend's place on WGOTLP Gainesville. I'll be back same time, same channel next week. Until then, enjoy. Thank you.